0: Welcome to Family Features, a podcast for anyone who wants to experience healthy relationships within their family. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and I'm honored to come alongside you to encourage, educate, and equip you as we focus on the different relationships that make us family. Let's get started and focus on today's feature. Today's feature is a um, presentation I did to parents at Salem First Baptist Church, kind of preparing them as they, as we were going to have conversations with their children as well about um, gender and sexuality. And so today's um, presentation looked at the landscape of LGBTQIA um, questions and conversations, current story and ethos, technology, laws, but really zeroed in in on theology of marriage, theology of gender, sexuality, and then how do we have conversations with our kids? How do we um, better prepare them? How do we help them understand the the difficulties and the struggles with online relationships, um, the messages being received, and what is actually stunting the growth of our children? And then we wrap up with a a very pointed look at love defined, that being relationships and boundaries. I hope this is an encouragement to you, a challenge. I hope you uh, will wrestle with the content here um, and seek biblical insight on this. But may you be compassionate towards um, everyone around you, those that you love, your family, also those struggling. um, And may you lead well and biblically. Blessings. Buckle up. <laughs> okay, so tonight, I've um, got so much. I think I've got it down to about four or five hours. <laughs> it's
1: kind of where I feel like I'm at.
0: If you think of all that's out there and where we're at, we have a, a difficult time on our hands when it comes to our children. So really hope you'll go and add your questions. Um, what I've done on some of these with parents is I, a couple times where I've just set everything aside and we spent the whole time asking questions. Um, and so that's why we wanted to leave a, a long time at the end to really to dive into some of your questions. So you can that's going to be up there. You go to Slido.com even on your phone, Slido.com, and then just type in parents. It'll go to this, and you can uh, just start adding those either throughout or if you already have stuff. Because a lot of it's going to be where you're at with your family, like where are you wrestling? We're in the same boat, as, as JB said. We're in the same place with. I call them my three experiments. Um, if you go to my podcast, you'll see I've had them on my podcast at times. They're on my YouTube channel as well. And it's fun. Miley's the best. The boys are more boring. Um, but Miley loves to, to do that. This is my family. Um, this is our, our um, directory picture for, for the church a few years ago. Um, and it's amazing to think, when I look at that picture, how... That's not them anymore. (laughs) No. And so then we a few years later had this directory picture for the church, but then we had the you know, the actual real personality of our kiddos, especially Blaze. And you notice Miley just stands there. She's just posing. It's adorable. Um, and these kids, your kids, all of our kids are growing up. But it ain't Kansas no more. (laughs) Oh gosh, it's scary. Um, they are asking hard questions. They're asking things, looking at things, seeing things, experiencing things that we've never thought that we would have to face. So what we're going to be doing tonight is going into kind of an overview is the landscape of where we're at, theology, and then these are our kids and our friends, so our, our kids' friends. And how do we talk to our kids? How do we talk to our friends? So that's kind of the, what I'm going to be going through. So starting with this landscape, you've seen this, I'm sure, What do these letters stand for? LGBTQIA+, Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, Queer or Questioning, Intersex, Asexual, and then Plus. Our world's not the same. Now this has always been, in the sense of, we we go back to scripture and see how there was this, there's sexual deprivation, there's sexual deviancy in the sense back then. It's always been. It's nothing new. It's just more overt. You know, I, we watched a movie the other day. I was, we got to the end of it and we were like, oh wow, there was no two men or two women kissing. I was surprised, which is sad to, to actually notice that. Because it seems like it's everywhere. I've had students who've talked about, like the, the B, bisexual. How that's such a normal place to be. A one 14-year-old one time told me, oh, I've been with a guy, but I haven't been with a girl yet, so I'm not sure who I am yet. So I've got to experience it first to figure myself out, which is heartbreaking. And this person was in and out of church. But how many of our kids who are in church, living and hearing what you are teaching and what they're taught here, and they're still really, really struggling? I go to parents' houses all the time, that are wonderful Christian families, whose kids are an absolute mess. Why? Because there's multiple messages, and we're going to look at that as well later. They're listening to us. They're only here at church for a few hours, if that, a week. The front lines are you, us, as parents. And so how do we talk about this? We have to understand. We need to understand what intersex is. We need to understand that asexuality is actually not that abnormal. If you're a male, asexuality means you're just low testosterone. It's not some like freak of nature or some crazy thing. It's actually quite normal and very treatable, if you will, if you want to be. If you don't, that's, you don't have a kind of overt sex drive. Where do we get all this? Comparison. Comparison is actually where we get so much of this. When I'm comparing to others around me. So their peers at school, their peers anywhere, even their own siblings. But they're also watching us. And then that's that plus... Well, here's let me help kind of look at this a little different. You may have seen this before. It's actually very helpful. This gender-bred uh, gender person. So it actually summarizes a lot of what most of us, if we really haven't thought about this, this is overwhelming, but at the same time makes a lot more sense. If you think of like the, the top there, gender identity and gender expression, how we actually have divided what was supposed to be you're male or female into all these little categories and these, these sub-things that have made us into and I don't really want to say this word but it's kind of what it is little mini-narcissists. But think about where you and I are at. Every single one of us think we're right. Almost all the time. Actually probably all the time. Never mind. <laughs> There's no way marriage works. Honestly. Because you have two people who think they're right all the time. Or You have two people who actually get that they ain't, and they're not, and they actually submit one to another, and they actually learn to love each other, and they actually realize that marriage is about surrendering and serving and the other person, not what I can get out of this. Yet I hear more and more kids, teenagers, um, 20-somethings, talking about who they're dating and going, we're so different. I don't know how this is going to work. You mean like you like hiking and they like something else? Yeah. like, oh, no, I don't know what you're going to (laughs) do. It's not going to work then because you have to like the exact same things or maybe we're missing it. And what's funny is the 80s and 90s, the Christian books said the same thing. Compatibility, compatibility. and It's actually the wrong focus. It's not it. It's actually surrender. Surrendering to actually experiencing things the other person likes and, and getting to know what they like and serving them in ways that help them even do things that they like and vice versa. It's actually... Meant to be that Except we've gotten more complicated now When it comes to who I am The bottom part here You have them biological sex And then sexually attracted to And then romantically attracted to All these little pieces of who I am And they're asking these questions They're trying to figure out Based on all this And then scanning the world around them Asking really actually important questions For themselves Sad to say ones that I honestly wish they weren't attraction is one of those that I get hung up on. I honestly don't really want you to, I, I want to say it this way, I want, don't care who you're attracted to, but I do care. Because it's bad data. If you think of what you're just attracted to, and we, all the movies are all about, I just, I pined away after this person that I lost, and then I finally got them, usually because someone else divorced them or they died or some horrible <coughs> tragedy. And it's really sad how we get stuck we actually don't learn to surrender and love and, and, and we get stuck in our own story. We're all little mini. yeah, that N-word I said. Narcissist. We are full of ourselves. And scripture is very clear of that. All throughout. Self-centeredness. Then we have this word here, transgender. This has taken us by storm, hasn't it? Many of you, many of you listening to this later, recording, the your, your kids are struggling. Your own kid doesn't believe that they're a boy or girl, which... Their DNA, their their cells in their body beg to differ. They don't. They're asking questions they should never be asking. And so part of it comes down to us really helping validate who they are. But I actually I talk to a lot of parents where it's gone. They will transition. They will do the hormones. They will have the surgeries. They will actually go their way. And what do we to do as parents? And we're going to look at that later because it's actually critical really, really critical. Now, what is my heart is that we catch, catch these conversations earlier and earlier and earlier. We actually talk about this. But it gets worse. Um, this next one. you know what this one stands for? Map. Ooh. Minor attracted person. Professor at some university. He's been let go now or he quit. Um, released a book, released all these videos, and he's talking about pushing this. We've known this for years. That was the next step of pedophilia becoming normalized. And what do you do with that? Polyamory, that's normal. We've got friends at Corbin who are like, they tell their friends from Portland that they're getting married, and their friends are like, what is wrong with you? Why would you settle for something so antiquated? Because They believe that that's settling. What's interesting though, and this is a tool I would actually recommend parents to do and I do, is go to YouTube and type in polyamory. Watch some of the videos of their testimonies. I have never seen a testimony that doesn't invalidate what they're doing within their own words in the testimony. It doesn't work. Unless what you're aiming for is whatever makes you happy in the moment and it's going to be something different tomorrow and then different the next day. But then, great. Actually, it works really well. And then you're, as I was talking to a person this past weekend, you're a 50-year-old who thinks that women are something to be used and I'll just do whatever I want and I wonder why I'm single at 50 and miserable and lonely because I'm waiting for the next one around the corner. Really? What a sad way to live. But that's actually normal for some people. Nothing we would want for our own children. This is taking... This is happening. Now the LGB is actually saying, I don't want to be a part of the T. There's a lot of pushback there. It's been, and there's actually doctors finally standing up and saying we have no business putting kids on hormones and doing some of the stuff that, that we've been doing. There's also lots of other doctors who've been fired for it. I'm going to talk for hours about some of the research and what's going on, and it's heartbreaking. We have no business making our kids a science experiment. Yet Oregon even wants to lower the law to 12. I mean, they can't do other things till they're 18 or 21, yet they can go have an abortion or hormones or other things at younger and younger age. Which makes our job as parents even more important. California, about four, three three and a half years ago, actually said that we need to teach all 15 genders in the school system at kindergarten. So parents can freak out and pull their kids out of school. I was like, or you're in California, so you're probably in a four-income family. And so what do you do? You've got to talk to them before kindergarten. Oh, no, no, they're too young. I can't talk to them. And I'm like, so they're too young for you to talk to them, but it's okay for the school to. Do you hear what you're saying? Let's be on the front lines and have these conversations. None of us want to. But we must, because it's what they're facing. And every single piece of media anywhere out there, every single YouTube channel, I mean, everywhere. They're friends. It's everywhere. We've got to be the ones that actually... And I'm not talking about doing what I do in the sense of this has been my area of study for 20-plus you know, years. So my 22nd year as a shrink. It's like, wow, and I feel like it's just getting started. And I'm excited. I love what I do. I love to see people... People's lives changed. Look at this verse here. First Corinthians 6, 9-10 through 10, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. It's an indictment on all of us, by the way. If you've stolen a pen from work, you're in this. If you've had some of the things you've posted on Facebook in your heart, you're in this. We can easily focus in on certain pieces of this. But the best part is the next verse. Some of you were once like that. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's the answer. We know that. We know that for our kids. But I can't make my kid call on the name of Jesus. I can't make them do that. I have to be able to walk alongside them. But I also need to build, build a network. A lot of the reason We do Boy Scouts. That's one of the things we've done for years. And not something I would have picked. And nowadays definitely wouldn't have picked. I love our troop. It's a bunch of families that are all Christian. And the, I would trust any one of those dads with my kids. And we... We've had an amazing adventure of the last... Actually, we're in my 10th or so year of this. It's incredible. Why? I want my sons to be able to have someone to go to. And I love being that person that some of those boys come to. It's building that community. What is this about? Same thing. Everything we're doing here at Salem First Baptist in terms of youth ministry is building that same thing. That network. To where some of the small groups that are happening, it's that... Small group leader that's actually going to change my kid's life. How important that actually is. And here's a scary kind of um, statement. Either I do or someone else does. I wrote these two books for that reason. I've recently been doing dissertation chair of a whole bunch of PhD students at Regent University and having just a blast and they're all like going to finish their PhD and get published and all this stuff. And I was like, actually, I got mine done public, and never published, put it on a shelf because I had kids at the time. And I was like, I want to be a present dad because I noticed a lot of my peers were not present dads. And then 15, 14 years later, I was able to do this. Um, absolute labor of love, kind of tie into my dissertation. But... It's The first one, the red and blue one, it's a book and workbook. It's for you. It's actually mom and dad's, do you know, this is the message, do you know what you believe? If you don't know what you believe, then you aren't teaching them very intentionally, for sure. So it's asking questions. And you walk through and you look at a biblical view of gender, sexuality, homosexuality, masturbation, pornography, you name it, it talks about it. And then when I, when I actually wrote the second one, it's for the teenager to hand to them, especially for the parents that won't talk about it. We were almost ready to go to publish and my wife was like, you need to add that other chapter in there, don't you? And I was like, oh gosh. And it was one on polyamory. It's becoming normal to have multiple partners, three or more, any any makeup of that is normal. Some of you hopefully are freaked out, stressed out, even appalled, but that doesn't get us anywhere. Either I do or someone else does. And what I'm seeing in my private practice and counseling is someone else does. That we are actually letting people into our living room and they're sitting down with our kids in a circle. By the way, it's not actually our living room. It's called online. And they're actually teaching our kids and they're more influential than any of us. And how do we, what do we do with that? Um, in, in these books, I talk about this idea of birth to five. It's rarely too early. And this is about exploration and curiosity. I had a mom recently actually say, she said, Every, all the moms around me told me just enjoy these young years, enjoy these young years, enjoy these young years. And she's got teenagers now. And she's like, I feel like it's too late. I'm like, it's not too late. Praise Jesus, it's not. But yeah, it's actually kind of too late. As in, it's going to be harder. Because it's six to ten this is the time, actually, of parenting that's probably the most crucial. When those hormones start, you're, you're done. <laughs> and I know you kind of maybe know that. It just means it gets harder. It doesn't have to be a nightmare. As they're growing and trying to figure out themselves, they're supposed to separate from us. But we also become highly influential depending on how we have those conversations. I realize, like, Alex, our oldest, is be driving then you realize wow when he starts driving that changes the trapped time you have with them <laughs> it's gonna take even more intentionality when they can just jump with the car and go by themselves the last year with him driving with us has been actually kind of awesome because they're trapped and so we're gonna even focus today more on this is that 11 to 17 we have a whole other world and that's social media and technology and it's about stewardship and boundaries. So what do we do now to prepare our children? Some of you have older children. Some of you have this age. Some of you actually also have younger ones. And what I'm seeing is a lot of parents have done this certain things with the older ones. Or they're not doing the same things with the younger ones. They're realizing, yeah, I'm not making that mistake again. And we need to be able to pivot we need to be able to see that there are some things that we probably shouldn't have done that, in that way. And each kid's different. Although I've had, I can think of three families where the kid, the parent was like, oh, they're too young, they're too mature, I don't, don't want to deal with this, I'm not going to talk about sex and gender, or any of this stuff. Oh, shoot, they're 18. And they're leaving the house. And yeah, they were immature. Very and then they left the house, which means now you're no longer in that position to teach, to talk. And we need to be ahead of the curve. And so we need to actually have a plan for this. What do we do with technology? Probably one of the biggest questions that you're probably gonna ask, um, what do I do? And you may even ask me, what do you guys do? Um, it's an experiment and it changes a lot. I've tried all of the apps, I've tried all sorts of stuff. Um, don't like most of them. Um, some of them were great for some families, and that's where you've got to be able to figure out what you need. But this is what's happened: is we actually have become a bad influence on our kids because of our own habits. Think of how we grew up, and many of us had rotary phones. At least in, when I was in my dorm room, we had little rotary phones, and we had to go back to the dorm and call. Now, like, they're, all of our kids are chipped, um, which is kind of nice too. But when they can. Answer the phone during class and walk out. That's actually a problem. Um, and so this is—we were introduced to this world as well as they were, even as an adult. And a lot of us are steward, stewarding this very poorly. We are not good examples. So a lot of this is going to start with us. How are you going to change what you do with your phone and other technology? And I'm—and I'm not someone who's anti-technology. Like, I have screens all throughout my house. I have. Every toy and tech thing you can possibly think of, I love tech stuff. Um, I love movies, I love TV shows, I like that. It's just a matter of stewardship. And what do we do with that? This, this uh, definition kind of struck me. Addiction is a condition in which a person engages in use of a substance or in a behavior for which the rewarding effects provide a compelling incentive to repeatedly pursue the behavior despite detrimental consequences. This is what we're doing. Actually, you talk to a lot of our teens, they'll say, I know its not good for me, but. We also have some teens that if you were to ask them to lay their phone over there, they'd have a panic attack because their phone is, like there's a DNA connection. It's kind of creepy, actually. We have a lot of work to do. What is that, that balance going to be towards using the technology, stewarding the technology, and then this is, because I'm a parent, I'm putting this boundary in. And that's a really difficult one. These devices, um, this is just me personally, when it comes to what these are called, I call these porn portals. I mean, it sounds funny, but did, have you ever tried that? Like, hopefully not, but how easy it is. I open my phone, I hit Safari, and then I type in, let's just go to Google. And then I type in P O R N. This is on the church's network. This is awesome. <laughs> See what pops up? It's text. You're okay for now. Pornhub XNXX, I don't know what that is. X videos, blah blah blah. And then there's some like advertising, The Guardian, things like that you can but at the top it says videos or images and their life will never be the same. They don't go to images. That's too boring. They've been entertained through video and video games for so long. They go straight to videos. And their life is no longer the same. That's how close these are. And we've handed them for over, the, over these last few years. Um, Coddling of the American Mind, a great book, secular research. These guys said, I would not trust a smartphone to a teenager unless I would trust a pistol. And then the guy was like, so which one's more, more dangerous? He said, the The smartphone. It's not the smartphone though is actually what he later clarifies It's actually social media Social media is it's killing A certain subgroup of our culture Girls The teenage girl We have another issue with boys And we'll talk about that later But I mean this is normal right You look around and it's Everyone's on their phone They're not together The worst ones Especially there at night like the little pink laptops like like mother like daughter like daughter like mother friends what is, what are we doing with these and it's not a you and i coming in and putting a hard line necessarily it's actually a conversation one of the the ways that i talk about this is a conversation where i'm actually inviting them in to negotiate and to to grow up Which is something that's rare for a lot of our kids. It's either all total freedom or it's a lockdown where they don't understand why they're being punished again. Even though we've told them because they just did here. But they're in a space where they're just mad at you and not getting better, not changing, nothing growing. You're in control, but there's not growth. And stewardship. I've seen this in some families where it's control, 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 18, bye, have fun. And then you wonder what happens. I mean, I went, when I went to college, the problem, the problem kids in college were the football players. This is a small Christian college in Arkansas. And the, the missionary kids, <laughs> which is when I was one of those. Um, hopefully not one of the trouble ones. But why they had just gotten freedom from jail, their parents, and they were going to test every boundary possible. That's not gotten any better. It's only gotten worse. The amount of kids who actually walk away from their faith, if they even had one, as soon as they leave home, because they're just trying to push mom and dad as far away as possible, is actually becoming more normal. Now we have another factor that's important, that there are laws changing right now. What are parents? If you just watch Canada, be afraid. What's happening across our country and Canada shows us in Europe What's happening? Where you're actually going to have less and less say, counselors? There's so much I can't do. I was sitting with a client one day and realized this client was recording everything I was saying, and I knew if I stepped over the certain line, that I could be in trouble because there's all these l- rules of why I, what I can't do now as a counselor. But same for clergy. Again, looking at Canada, what's happening right now? is this conversation is even more important. But how we do it matters. How we enter into these conversations matters. And that's why this word theology is important. What do I believe? My belief system matters. And I want us to camp out just for a few minutes on this verse, six, these verses right here. Galatians 5, 16 through 6, 10. So I'm going, to, I'm going to emphasize a few pieces of this. Just for us to lay the landscape again as we head into this next part. So it says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. And if you notice, there is this battle. We know that there is this battle. Not just in you and I, in our kids too, and they're trying to figure things out. And how they see us is actually kind of sad and scary, which to me is why our youth leaders and our small group leaders in our youth group and who we put around our kids probably matters more. I have rarely seen some of these kids that really are really lost turn around because of mom and dad's actions, by the way. What I've seen happen is it's other people who've come in and they've listened to them. The Holy Spirit chooses them. Because it's the Holy Spirit who's got to change, change them, right? Does we try and try and try. And even our own flesh is a problem here too. And then it continues in verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And it's kind of funny to think of how many Even teens are like, sign me up. When you think of even sermon this morning from Pastor Mark, we've truly fallen in love. How many of us need to actually think through that? Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That one needs to scare us. We also aren't the judge. We don't know where our kids are really at. We don't know where our spouse is even at. We're on a journey together. And a journey together even as a, as a body of Christ. Where if someone's struggling, we need to be able to help lift them up, support them. Verse 22, where the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. This is what we want from the Holy Spirit. This is not our making. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. This is what we want. Man, wouldn't it be great to just hand to our kids and say, "Go have an amazing life," and it's not that simple. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have, have, Jesus Christ, have nailed the passions and desires of the simple nature to the cross and crucified them there. That's what we want. My son or my daughter who's struggling, I can't make them do that. When I, when they were five or six, a little more so; when they were eight or nine, a little less so; and as they've gotten older and older. They have this free will. I've, when Alex was even nine, and we were saying to him many times, you have free will that I wish I could take away from you. You go around the corner, you have the free will to do whatever you want, and I cannot control that, I do not know, and you are to steward that. If I never find out, you are still the person that bears the weight of that and your choices. Who are you going to be? Knowing if, as I'm saying this, this is horrifying. And they will be accountable for those actions. Think of the bigger picture. The goal is that they, at some point, even if it's decades from now, fall to their knees and submit to Christ and give up. Surrender. But sad to say for some of our kids, it may be then. It may be that they won't until they're 50, 60, 70, 80, long even past we're here and we need to be praying for those people that are actually going to be the ones investing in our kids' lives at another, another time. It's one of the things I've loved about being a college professor is I get to be that with certain people. It's been amazing to have conversations and realize you've never told anyone this, have you? No. And thanks for trusting me. And then walking them into a very different story. It's so, so important where did I leave off? Next one. Dear brothers, this is chapter, the next chapter, chapter six. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome from, by some sin, believer, it says there, who you, are, uh, you, are, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path, which means the big King James Bible across the head. I think not. <laughs> but some of us should kind of do that. Some of us don't have tact, some of us aren't patient. And we want to just, oh my gosh, will you, will you get it already? And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. There's a major, this is instructions. This is a major, like, instruction book for you and me. Don't do this, do this. Share each other's burdens, and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, <laughs> you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I love that. Whoever That translation is just so great. You're not that important. Get over yourself. Hmm, that sounds familiar to a certain thing in our culture right now where the world revolves around me. That you should actually use whatever term or name or word or the way I identify myself. You should actually, the best thing would be just bow to me. That's what it's become as we have gotten further and further and further away from this isn't about me. Marriage isn't about me. Kids are Having kids and raising kids aren't about me. What I do for a living, everything is not actually about me. That's contrary to our world. It's all about self. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will be, get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Or is that word "compare," which is where we're getting into trouble. For, each, uh, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Big lesson. We need to be teaching our kids. This starts with money. This starts with what they get. And how they earn it. And how they learn the value of the system. At one point, we've tried all sorts of like you know money things at home with our kids. And you know, a chart on the wall. And nothing's ever worked. It's been horrible. But the one that was my favorite was we had this chart that had some chores. And they could get money for it. But they had to do it, fill it out, submit it to Kit Kelly for evaluation and then to me for billing. (laughs) And it was actually the system broke down enough that I didn't have to pay out a lot of money. It actually worked out really well for me. But the idea that that's the world. The world is that song, I forgot by the guy's name, Don't Go to School. Um, I forgot the guy's name. Such a great song. basically says, I learned all these great things in school. And no one taught me how to buy a house or pay taxes and do all these practical things. And I was like, preach it. Such a great song. It's probably not a song that any of us would really want. Our kids playing because we want them to go to school. But in this last section, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from their sinful nature. We don't want that for our kids, do we? I mean, I know our heart says we don't want that for our kids. We don't want that for our kids' friends, probably less so. We want to protect. The way you protect is you prepare. The way you protect is you actually talk about these topics that we don't want to talk about. Those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Emphasizing that again. Marriage, incredible. I actually kind of ticked when I think about heaven and marriage is not going to be a part of heaven. I don't know if you've thought much of that. I have. Kind of depressing. But what it's reminded me of in the last few months is I, was, I had a class last semester on marital, marital counseling. It just reminded me of But what is going to be. The body of Christ. The two avenues that God does a lot of his work, or his, his central work is in the family, marriage and family and the church. There's something about the church, the body of Christ. And man, have we seen the last two years? What happens when you don't have that? One of my colleagues at work came up to me a few months ago, and he's like, "I don't know what to do. Our church isn't opening." Like, where, where do we go? And, and we talked and we've talked multiple times, and one day he finally comes back he was... I went to a white church. It was amazing. He's Chinese. (laughs) Um, And it was like a breath of fresh air to be a part of a body. And we've actually, even as a deacon board here at the church, have talked about that, how this is, we are meant to be incarnational in not watching this later, be in the presence of other people. Our, Our bodies change by being around other people. And we'll talk about that more actually in just a second. Now, the theology piece is really simple. Marriage, one man, one woman. There's no other combination. I don't actually, I can't even say the word marriage anymore. I have to actually qualify it every time with marriage. One, two sexually different people. One man and one woman. There is no other combination. But if you actually look at where a lot of people are at, I've worked with a lot of couples who are mixed orientation couples. So they're married, but one of them is actually the same-sex attracted. They're beautiful. Why? Because one of them especially knows what hurt heartache is. Where they have this draw somewhere that they're having to to die. That can never happen. I'm choosing to submit my life to Christ. Just like I would say every addict would actually have. Something else is more important than anything else in the world. And I've learned to kill that. To make it die for something bigger and better. Marriage is one man and one woman. There is no other combination. It is under attack. We know that. It is threatened right now. Male and female, gender. There is no other combination either. It's male and female. Intersex is a 0.02 to 0.05% of people. And yes, it's actually, it's part of the fall. And years ago when parents would choose what gender they were, they almost always struggled with that and wrestled. Yes, and that becomes a lot of the excuse well that, no, you're actually most people aren't talking about that you set that aside and you realize what we're at is we're in a battle for even what masculinity is and what femininity is it's almost like we don't want to be too masculine now now, now, now and what does that even mean and we could spend hours just unpacking masculinity and femininity whether you're doing anything intentional your kids are learning what that is from you if you're a single parent, it is imperative that you have people in your life that help support you. We've loved having, uh, in our Boy Scout troop, um, single moms that have their kids join. And I tell them, I was like, guess what? And you're not invited on camp house. And the mom's like, thank you. <laughs> I was like, because we want to mentor your son. We, are, we feel honored to be an example and to lead your sons. I love that. And we need that everywhere, in every you know, area of our if you're involved in any kind of sport, that's needed there. If you're involved in any kind of music, that's, it, that's needed there. The, the supporting and coming alongside even the church. Another one is sexuality, just in general. This, is, this word stewardship is we have to teach boundaries about that from when they're little to every, at every age. Dating... I mean, I have a seminar online, seven hours, if you want to watch it. It's, to me, this is a critical. When do you start dating? What's allowed? And every family needs to negotiate that and talk about that. Not when they're 16. More like when they're seven and eight. And you're planting seeds when they're younger. And those of you that know our family, we've had our issues with our kids and um, our second kid's blaze he's going to be another whole handful because we named him blaze so you kind of get what you name your kid but um and they're experiments of the boundary our boundary is you can't date till your senior year of college and that sounds funny i know i hear laughter which is kind of interesting but it's not as in you shouldn't until then it's that if you have the expectation you're supposed to at 15 16 17 and you aren't you feel broken or you feel missing out like you're missing out and you start doing things that are stupid is save that for as, you know as late as possible but when that door opens we actually start having conversations statistically marrying your high school sweetheart is a horrible like statistic 90 plus percent divorce rate in some places tell that to the ones that are in their 50th you know wedding anniversary um, yes it's very doable with the right mentoring and the right people around you, so it's not about a certain formula as what what you should or shouldn't do with some of the stuff. But we need to talk, be intentional as a couple, as a family, and then even with our kids. And if you think of the different ages of kids, it's kind of fun because the little ones are listening to a conversation that they're too young for. They're not. My daughter has heard about pornography at our dinner table since she was one, probably. She didn't know what it was when she was younger, and she figured it out. Like, in masturbation and everything else. They've heard those words. Why? Because we talk about it all the time. Because it moves it out of the unconscious, where things get messy, into the conscious, where I can take every thought captive, and I can make choices. And it's really powerful when I can move it to my mouth and actually talk about it. My kids and some of your kids have actually had the chance to share their burden with one of the youth leaders here. That's what it's about. Not them coming to you or me. Them having a, a place where they can actually talk through stuff. Now, we have this dilemma with our kids, but out there also our friends, our kids' friends and others that are that are in our circle. What do we do? And there's this is the scary thing about this idea of messages of what's happening with our our kids. It's not about acceptance anymore. It's actually about celebration. But it's even not all the way celebration. It's actually participation. If your if you're young man won't date a trans girl, you're a what? Homophobe. Yeah, homophobe or transphobe. It's, it's amazing to think about. It's no longer acceptance. It's no longer even celebration. It's participation. Participation. Or you are dead to us. That's where we're at. So we've got to prepare our kids for those kind of questions and where do I stand and toe the line and say no and have a boundary and where do I just tap out? I'm out of this. I've got to get myself out of this situation. I can have all the passion in the world for theater or for music or for a sport and that team or that place be a toxic, toxic place. See that with Boy Scouts too, with other troops where they're a toxic place. And for them to stay there is actually doing more harm than good. And I've seen that in church groups, I've seen that in youth groups, I've seen that in choirs, I've seen that everywhere. The other one, and the one I'm seeing in my counseling practice, is this one. Online peers. More what I said earlier, more of our kids are being influenced by YouTube channels and by Discord channels and conversations online and chat rooms and headsets where they're talking to people they don't know. That's changing their worldview, and they are 17 million miles from where you are and what you've taught them at home, and you don't know why. I've talked to the parents, and the parents are going, "How did we get here?" And it's like you invited this community into your house, and they took up residence, and they indoctrinated your son or daughter. Are you surprised? Actually, horrified. And here's the thing: is even if that's happened. It's not over yet The journey is to journey alongside of them And think of This is hard to think about Think about if If we Walked alongside our sons and daughters And they were And I know this is maybe even hard to think about For most of us They said I'm a time trans And they they transition They start hormones They change their body They mutilate their body They do whatever they can do And God looks down on them And sees them the same I love you We need to be careful and take a step back at times and go, wait a minute, I'm on a journey, and I don't know where this is going. And I pray that by the end, they come to Christ, that they fall on their knees, that they actually choose Him. I can't make them do it. None of us want to hear that. We want to have some solution now. This is what's stunting our kids' growth. These things. So, excessive video game play. That's one of the number one things that are actually hurting our boys. And it's really, it's not video games. The research is back and forth, and it, it's not clear. It's, in terms of video games in general, it's when I would choose that over friends. If I have an option, I would choose that over friends. And where do you draw the line? Second one is porn. It's everywhere. And they have these things everywhere, these devices everywhere. I don't care how tight you lock it down, they will find a way. I've learned a lot from my own kids about that. Third one, those absent fathers. And I don't mean like a dad is gone. That too. It could be a dad that's just not there. A dad that hates his job, hates his life, and is just checked out. One of the biggest influences is that. And dads, we need to check in when they're one, and two, and three, and four, not when they're fun, when they get older. And how much that influences our our kids. Irresponsibility. Kids don't know how to do stuff anymore. Use YouTube. I know, I love YouTube. It's great. Great tool. But they need to actually know how to do things. It's sad that YouTube channel with this this dad is actually making a channel for young people, basically. If you didn't have someone to teach you these things, let me teach you how to... Change a doorknob, change a faucet, you know, all these little things. They need to learn basic you know, responsibilities and how to fix things and do things. The idea of being skillless. But I can move my fingers on the joystick. What do we, how do we instill that? So I saw a research recently that said that in, if the amount of time boys play X- Xbox or other video games from the age of, I think it was 15 to 30... 25 or 15 years the amount of time they play they could have learned any kind of like high level skill to the excellence level like oboe or any kind of art or anything it's kind of creepy to think of all this time that we basically trashed and it's normal so how to steward that is so difficult you know we had good boundaries until this whole pandemic insanity started two years ago things changed, and a lot of us actually got hurt from the last two years a lot of kids I talk to they are more lonely and more separated why because they got used to being at home and actually decided to like it more because they're a little more introverted and they're now dealing with anxiety and dealing with other, other problems through the roof I think the pandemic hasn't started or actually it has we're just ignoring it and it's going to be a mental health this is going to make this whole insanity of the last two years be a joke actually it already is we just again are ignoring it the addictions and the, the way to escape in the me-centered world is hurting us. But the last one up here, I said, social media. Those other ones are boys. Social media is killing our girls because of that comparison piece. Go sit down, download TikTok to your phone and look at it for a little while. Then you decide whether that's actually a good idea or not. Most of the girls... Most of the girls on there need spankings, not the good not that kind. They need parents, they need intervention. It's really a mess. Sure there's some fun videos. I remember taking Blaze out to dinner one day and going, let's look at TikTok. Let me show you as it was kind of coming in here and watching his reaction and talking through. It's not about covering their eyes and going, don't look, and saying, you have to steward this, because you can walk around the corner in someone else's device and do whatever you want. And they, they will. So what do we do with this? How do we define love? How do I love my kids? It's going to be in relationships. That's actually the number, number one way. It's going to be in relationship, but not just them with us. And so, time in person, face to face, we need to get them into places where they're actually having fellowship. If you look back at the last two years, one of the biggest insanities has been that right there. The lack of some of that interaction that's actually done harm, we need to undo that harm, which means we'll be the bad guys saying, no, sorry, you have to go. Not, you'll go if you want to. Like, I've never understood the whole, we go to youth group if you feel like it. That's... And we've had our battles. We homeschool our kids, and our oldest, at first, when he was in middle school, didn't want to come to youth group. He didn't know anybody, and they had all these—they knew all this stuff I didn't understand, and 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 that's part of it. We've we've had that as well. It's not an easy thing. They need adventures. They need creativity, but they need to actually learn how to be other-centered. That's one of those things that actually changes how I am when it comes to this narcissistic. Self-centered me The world revolves around me, which is feeding a lot of where where we're at Which is really scary the next one they need is boundaries they need you to actually to, to Say no now this word pronouns kind of put this here for, for a second to think about it. I Have always always to clients and to other people really said You use whatever pronoun they ask you to use you want to keep that relationship Long, the long haul. I've changed my, my view on that in the last few years. Actually the last few months. I was talking to Preston Sprinkle about five or six months ago. As he's wrestling with this as well. If you haven't heard of him. He's one that teaches and talks about this from a theological <coughs> side. I'm, I'm on the shrink side. And he was asking some of us. What do you think? What's happening is a lot of these men and women who are detransitioning. Are coming back and looking at mom and dad and going. Why did you cater to my asking you to do this and asking you to do that I actually have less respect for you because you did that now I'm like because a lot of what we do is an attempt to love and a lot of times it doesn't get us where we want to go and so as I as I think through this and wrestle through this and look through scripture I go we are to be people of the truth what does that mean does that apply here and I don't know I actually really struggle with this should I say no I'm not going to do that now, like uh, Jordan Peterson did th- years ago, he said, "I'll be glad I'll use the name." I'm gonna, if you want to respect you, like as a professor, his thing was about government overreach, which we're seeing now is a big deal. Um, he just walked away from his tenure professorship at his university this few, few weeks ago. He's like, "I'm done with academics." He's like, "The whole academic system is a load of crap, um, especially secular." And even Christian higher ed's slowly changing as well. And I've, to me, I, mean, I work at Corbin, they're still there, so I'm staying. It's like, are you going to hold to a biblical worldview? Yes or no? There is no in between. And what he said, Jordan Peterson was saying, was if you're a white male, forget it ever getting anything anymore when it comes to that higher education. It's becoming so political, it's kind of scary. And he's realizing he hasn't any part of it. And when we actually figure out our own journey and what we want to do, I want to be a person of truth. And when I think of even these, these terms and these words that people want me to do and say, there's certain settings I might do that out of I don't have a relationship with you, but my own children, someone close. And this is a question mark, big question mark for you to think about. Do I actually stand firm? And I think it's important to think about. Know and live by a biblical worldview. We need to know the Bible. We need to know what you're living by. That's where a lot, of, a lot of us get stuck ourselves. And then be a safe place. But also know that you may not be that safe place, it may be someone else. So helping get that and build that is really, really important. But here's another interesting number 3%. In the research, they've seen that. The men and women that leave the church, LGBTQIA+, 97% leave because they were not loved at all. They were hated, they were scorned, they were mistreated. It was only 3% left because of the the theology. The churches that have gone more liberal are dwindling. The churches that have stand firm on on a biblical sexual ethic, on a traditional view of marriage, the research is showing that most of these men and women are, that are saying they're Christians and wanting that, respect that, want that, believe that, but there's something that they're dealing with. How can we walk alongside those men and women, those boys and girls, and ask those hard questions? And it's this, you've, I showed this years ago here, and we've talked about this before, it's, do I want them to behave, belong, believe, and then belong? Or belong, believe, and become? This, think about this more in even your own home. You can only come in my home if. Or, yeah, you're questioning. You're in a different place. I'd love for you to be a part of our family. I'd love for you to, to come in and, and let's talk. Some more passages here just to think, for us to think about. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience am I that kind of person towards my son my daughter, other people or am I actually not and this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation how am I reaching out how am I actually being that bridge but standing firm to truth instead of speaking the truth in love we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ you and I are in process as well And the truth and love. The the gentleness that we actually have. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We're under attack too as parents. Satan doesn't want you to get this. Satan wants you to fall on your face. He wants you to fail. He wants them for him. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you, have no, you know that they produce quarrels, especially on Facebook, it says right there, you know, if you notice that. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed, gently instructed. In the hope that God will grant them repentance. Leading them to a knowledge of the truth. That's the goal. And that they will come to their senses. And escape from the trap of the devil. Who has taken them captive to do his will. So I want to end here with five things. That I want us to think about to do. This is our kind of action steps. Um, the first one is this, this word attunement. My wife asks and she's a smart person. Is that a real word? Yes it is. The capacity to see, feel, and connect, to care with what another is communicating both verbally and non-verbally. Are you someone, and I like these pictures because they look at the way they're turned towards. Which probably means they're not also looking at their phone. Attuned, where they're actually, it's bending towards and it's actually positioning myself to be someone that's actually going to listen. We need to be that for our kids. We need others, again, in their life to do that. Containment. Think of a container. Are you a safe container that can hold the crap that your kid's dealing with? That's that safe space. I hate the word safe space, but it is that. It's being someone that actually can hold Hold that for you. Why? While you're dealing with the mess, I'm going to hold it for you and I'll, I'll hold it carefully. We want repentance. We want sorrow. We want them to grieve and to change. Why do we want forgiveness? We need to be seeking that. And the way that we failed as parents, and the way that we failed as our spouses and who we are, we actually want them to see as well. The, cent- the central gift anyone can give another is a heart that will listen, repent, and restore. That's God's heart is restoration. And then there's these really other important words. I could spend hours just talking about these right here. Solitude. Yes, earbuds exist. Headphones exist. We all need solitude. The, the more brain research keeps coming out, keeps saying we need times of silence to actually file the memories away. When you go listen to three podcasts in a row, you don't remember very much. If you listen to a podcast and then have a, just a few moments to be in silence, you're more likely to remember more because your brain's not meant to take in all this information. It can't. You need some silence and solitude. Leisure. I don't know how to play very well. I like to work. Um, and I enjoy my work, so I just work more. And, but it's important to play. Like I've loved how Boy Scouts just forced me every month to go on a camp out. That every Thursday and Friday, I just, just uh, everything in me find, tries to find a reason not to. And I'm so glad every time I go. Our December one was rainy the whole weekend. It was horrible and it was great. Because my fellowship is with those dads. And it was amazing. We need that time. We each have our different interests. And then conversation. What's happening because of video games especially is our kids can't have conversations. It's too boring. School, my gosh, is boring. That's a problem. We need to be able to slow down and have conversations. Lots and lots of conversations. And then this is a verse for us to think about. We could really again camp on. On self-control. And look at the message there. Teach the older men to be temperate. Worthy of respect. self controlled Likewise teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children. To be self-controlled and pure. Similarly encourage the young men to be self-controlled. Live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And I think I see a theme. An area that most of us probably have difficulty with. But it's also a message to us. We're the even older ones from our kids to be leading them. My encouragement to you when it comes to a lot of these rules and stuff we'll probably talk about in this next part with Q&A is for you to actually be in a relationship with your teen and negotiate these things. It's not a top-down only. In the end, you have the final say. You can play that card. But it's so much better when you can actually negotiate with them and be in a relationship with them. And it's going to be different at 12 and 15 and 18. But even at 20, you should be able to probably continue that conversation that's back and forth if you've built that relationship and how important that is as well. Um, Go past this right now. Well, let me look at this real quick. Do we have time to go one more last thing? Yeah. Okay. I can go back. Can you go back one slide on that? I think it went to the end. Yeah, there we go. This is what I put together a few years ago. That was just kind of a a a summary for me of what I wanted for my own family and kids. The family code, rites of passage, significant tasks, logical consequences, and grace deposits. What are the things that I want my kids to know how to do? Where have they failed, and I've had to really extend grace and walk alongside because they've done something really stupid. What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be an adult, a woman? Rites of passage. We don't have these very well in this country, in this, this society. What does that look like? Right now, our kids think that the rite of passage is when they get that phone in elementary school. It's kind of scary. And the second one here is my vision for growth and maturity. Have I, am I intentionally teaching about biblical masculinity, femininity, some standards for who you'd marry and who you wouldn't settle less for? and the idea of boundaries, sexual boundaries. So they can date someone and actually say no because they've decided that in their heart a long time ago. They're not trying to decide in the moment under pressure. And they really will not settle less for some douche guy or girl that has no business. Do they, will they marry well? Standards that are through the roof, and I love my Marital Counseling class, people say, man, after this class, now my standards went up for who I marry. And I'm like, great, at least I did something right. <laughs> yes, please, marry well, because if you don't marry well, God help you But <laughs> And this is another big one. Find a cause to fight for. How are you going to actually change this world? This is what changes everything. To me, if you actually love what you do and love what you're doing in your life, I've seen men and women who do normal jobs, but their life is one of ministry to other people. It's not about just a career. If we're not careful, we just professionalize it to turn if you have to go to ministry. No, whatever you do, what is your heart doing it towards? And you can love your work. And parents, we need to be an example of that. But we need to help them figure out theirs. What's your superpower, if you will? What are you really good at? I went to college in music, had a bachelor's in music, but I was sat down and told, you can't graduate because you don't have enough talent to pass your recital. And my life fell to pieces. I was a junior and I had no future and I had one elective. And I was like, home ec? That's actually what I considered. Art? Yeah, Spanish? I don't want someone that doesn't know Spanish to teach me Spanish. I grew up in Chile and I took accounting class. Oh, it's the best thing I ever did. What Ch- changed everything into a different story. And we don't know what that's gonna happen, how that's going to happen for your kid. Some little decision that becomes a big decision that changes their whole future. That's what we need to be praying for. And then investing in other people, building a, a system, a network of people around. That is what the youth ministry here is all about. That's what those small groups, the problem is, is how long is it? A couple hours a week. It's not enough. We, and It comes back to us as parents and how we're investing in them. Thank you for tuning in to the Family Features Podcast. It has been an honor to serve. Find out more about Dr. Gilbert and his resources for you and your family's growth and success at HealingLives.com. And if you think you could use some support along the way, be sure to book that call at BookDrG.com. And one more thing, if you found this helpful, please share this podcast with others so that we can change the world.